So this week, um, we had a week off. Any of you feel like when you were doing your homework and stuff, it was kind of like, what, what are we doing? Where am I at? What, what does this have to do with anything? I thought we were done with all the scriptures until I opened it. I was like, oh, Ephesians. Oh, yeah, I forgot Ephesians. Anyway, so we are back into this today. Um, and I'm really excited. Um, when I was going over the homework and I was making my lists and I was doing my research in that, something really hit me and I think today that God will bless you with it because I think it's something deeper that he wants us all to know about him and I'm excited to just be able to share that with you today but to kind of prime our pump and kind of get us back into where we were a couple of weeks ago let's talk about the gifts and so far what we have on our board in terms of what the gifts are and we've done now four sets of scripture. So let's go ahead and try to list them um, today and see what we come up with together. Wisdom. And, yep. Anybody go and do research and figure out the difference of those? Think about it. Knowledge is more for the now, and wisdom is for long-term, in case you didn't know. Wisdom is more like God's view. Knowledge is more like for this particular situation. So in case you want to know, uh, wisdom and knowledge do work hand-in-hand. Hand. Some people have wisdom and some people have knowledge, but I love it when they all work together when you start to see that. Okay, wisdom, knowledge, faith. Good one. Anybody ever seen the gift of faith? And what did that look like, Kristen? I'll ask you right after you <laughs> shove stuff in your mouth. All right, Kristen. Um, well, I'm pretty sure that that's Gift of faith. Awesome. People with a gift of faith also have a lot of times a vision of something like of how things should be. Like they have this incredible driven, this is what God has put on my heart to do and this is what we will do. Like that's, yeah, yeah. And, and it's an incredible thing to see. Wisdom, knowledge, faith. More? Healing. And with healing usually goes... Miracles, yep. And the one nobody wants to talk about. Mm-hmm. Very good. We always have to have the interpretation. And Katie will say this. I will say this. Um, these three are what they call sign gifts. So when scripture says these signs and wonders, those sorts of things, that's what they're referring to, are these gifts. And who did you see them regularly in? All of these gifts. The apostles, the founding of the church, Jesus. So you saw these over and over again. Okay. 
Also the day of Pentecost, that's the one that tongues usually pops up as the day of Pentecost. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, so there's a few. Ah, one of my favorite ones. Why do we need to distinguish? Correct. Which automatically means when something says there is a gift of distinguishing of spirits, why do you automatically know? There are spirits. <laughs> there you go. All those people who say there's no bad and no, there's no evil and no good, you're kind of like, mm, no, no, that's not right. If God says there is a gift of distinguishing, that means there's has to be uh, both. Okay. What else? Prophecy. Okay. <laughs> I love the way she said that. Teachers, apostles, prophets. That is a good question. Somebody want to answer that? So we're getting into some distinguishing things, and Kay even talked about this in the homework. Some of these are actual offices of the church. That is, these people are put in these positions of leadership. So it's kind of like you would say, you know, there's prophecy, and a prophet would kind of all keep them also in line. You know, if you look through the Old Testament and you see um, there were lots of people in Israel that were doing prophecy, so that tickled the ears that made people want to be there, but along came a true prophet and said, no, these are all lies. So you have not only just a gifting in terms of what uh, she was saying, which is you have the gift, but you also have some sort of leadership in these. Um, and most of the time they are called to these specific things. Also, you'll see prophets in this office be more of an area, like they're over a larger area. It's not just like in a small meeting. Does that make sense? It's so. Apostles were meant to go. That was their call. Okay. That it? Helps. What kind of helps? Administration. And then service is one. Giving, and this is in generosity, or contributions, you will see that. What else? Uh, leadership. Mm-hmm. This is led with zeal. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is it? Exhortation. One of my favorites. Anybody have that gift? Nobody? Oh, good. A few people. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Okay. Mercy, which Katie will fathomably and stand up here repetitively say she does not have. <laughs> it's hard. It's a hard gift for people who work with large groups of people because if we had mercy for everyone, we wouldn't get anything done. 
And that's nothing bad. It's just usually those gifts are mercy is, is one of those things that people need it. And it's not that we don't want it. It's that we don't have it in quantities that other people who are gifted in it have. We do not. Another one showed up this week. Evangelists, yes. And someone else. Oh, are you talking, that's the pastors? I think my language said shepherds. Okay. Same thing. Yeah, I'm going to write that down there. I like the idea of that, the wayward sheep, shepherds. So, Okay. Grace. It's a gift. Now, here's another topic that I want to get into. If you do the counting on some of these and you do a flow of thought, there ranges anywhere from 9 to 21 gifts, and that's according to which commentary you read. Don't get caught up in how many there are or aren't. We're not going to do that. We're going to get caught up more in the functioning within the body, um, which I think is the proper place, as opposed to do we keep the offices with this? Do we, you know, there's all those questions people have. I really just want you to see the flow of thought and text because I think if you understand why the gifts are there and where they operate, it'll help you understand what these gifts are. Um, so the we need to be able to do that. Okay. Any others? No, hospitality is not in there. I don't know that we've had that quite yet, but do you believe it is a gift? You do. I absolutely do. I would put that one for right now under helping administrations. <clears throat> the gift of hospitality is a wonderful gift. Um, so I've sh shared this before, and I will uh, again and again, you know, uh, snacks here. Some of you, not a big deal. You all just do it so fluidly. I'll have night sweats over what to bring. I'm not kidding you. And it's it, my husband has to like decide because I can't do it. It's just it just really like it's really one of those things that it really bothers me. So if you're like, eh, yeah, I can do this. If you people show up at your house and and you have everything, that's great. That's awesome. Not my gift. It really is something I struggle with. So this is fun for you. I don't sweat at all getting up here and trying to teach. Trying to bring you peanuts and pretzels and popcorns <laughs> makes me sweat. I just want you all to understand some of it is gifting it absolutely is and what we're good at all right so now that we have these here let's do exactly what they asked us to do this week which is put them into these two categories and i think this will also help you as we get ready for the next go around so and we're going to have discussion on them we all won't agree so who wants to go first? Mm -hmm. Apostles is speaking. Why would you say that? What do apostles do? Mm -hmm. They're messengers. They are eyewitnesses um, to what happened with Christ. They are people that go into situations. They're to travel. So apostles, definitely a speaking gift. Okay. What else? Prophets? Mm-hmm. Do they put evangelists, is it its own one or is it with another one? Its own? Yeah. So what's the difference between apostles and evangelists? Mm 
So now are you starting to see the, do you start to see it? And you're like, oh, so the gift has kind of continued, but not with the eyewitnesses. So more evangelists, right? I just find it fascinating because now you're starting to see, okay, flow of thought. All right, I see this. Now they're added in. That's why, you know, Paul in this book adds them in. Okay, what else? I'm sorry, pastors and... Exhorters. I'm going to write exhortation. Now, this is fun. Why do you think exhortation is under a speaking gift? You can't. Good job. Or as they say in England, well done. Well done. All right? All right. Apostle speaking. Now, isn't this fun? You're going through it. Now, I'm going to ask you, do you think with pastors that's a speaking gift or a service gift? Or would you put them under both? Actually, I put them under both. I would too. What's the biggest thing a pastor does more than anything for his flock? What is it that he is doing? being present like that's that is what a pastor does he is present he is there continually constantly everybody is watching i always think someone who definitely has that gift they have the capacity that is just unbelievable to have people watch them and interact with them and if you've ever seen a really good pastor you're just like how how can you do that they remember names they you know and you're like wow yeah Okay. Would you put any others into these things? Mm-hmm. Because what is tongues? Mm-hmm. Now, I've always been curious, and, and these are questions I ask God, you probably don't care. I'm always like, so sign language. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, see, that's the sort of thing I go with with God. I'm like, so explain that to me. Um, but sign language is very interesting because it's concepts. It's a lot like what we do in precepts. It's more concepts, not necessarily the individual words. And that's what I find fascinating about language in general. It's concepts. Um, and so anyway, so you have some of that going on. All right. What else? We've gotten a few up here. We've got a whole list. Mm-hmm. Wisdom. Mm-hmm. Now this is fun. How do you know somebody has wisdom and knowledge? They have to share it with you. They have to actually speak up and say something. Um, yeah, wisdom and knowledge. My husband, I believe wholeheartedly from a very young age, was, has this unbelievable capacity to see down the road. Like he has that, he knows what's coming. Like before we even left college, he would tell people, you know, I see this coming in the computer market. I see this, I see that. He just has that capacity of being able to do that. And I think one of the beautiful things about that is it helps people kind of get all on the same path. Um, incredible gifts of wisdom. Of course, you can be like me and ignore it. 
um, some of the times. So, yeah. All right. Wisdom, knowledge. Okay. Sure. Absolutely. For speaking? Tell me the difference. And so would you, so I think you're using a terminology, let's just all get on the same page. When you say preacher, which, where would you fit that more into? Like a teacher? Would you be more? I, so this, no, I actually, I'm going to put preacher here because I think that's a good distinction. I would agree with you. I absolutely would agree with you. A lot of teachers, um, and it's kind of what I was saying with the mercy gift and that sort of thing with Katie. Um, and she says it about me too, so it's it's common among us. When you look at a group of people, and even, you know, I can say this as a professor, when people were teaching or coming to you as you were teaching and that, you know, I didn't get my homework done because I didn't get this done because I didn't, and you know, and you're trying to move all these people in one direction and you can't just, oh, that's okay, you don't have to do it. Oh, you, I don't have that, mer that's not, I'm very much, there's a line. You missed the line, and I have no problem walking away. Yeah. I used to think there was really something wrong with me because I didn't have that, but it's it's actually the gift. When Katie pointed that out, I'm like, you've just, like, thank you. Anyway, so, yeah. Yes. leadership. I would agree. Now, just so we can see some continuity, what would you call leadership in the Old Testament? If you were going to look for what they called people in the Old Testament, how would you connect those two? An elder. Yeah, that's what they were called. Kind of something interesting, though, because when you look at them and you see, okay, Israel not only had priests, they had leadership. And God held them all accountable because they were leading the flock astray. And that's one of the good things about good churches. They don't just have pastors. They have good leadership. Like there's, you have to have all those people. It's a believer's job. Okay. What else? Miracles. Where would you put those? Now, why would you put them there? Kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things also as we're doing this list, you should start to see that Jesus encompassed. I mean, does it? It just makes you go, oh my goodness. They didn't even know who he was. Yeah, so miracles. So, and this is what, when the woman with the issue of blood touched his him, he stopped and he said, who touched me? Those sorts of things. Those are acts of service. He didn't have to do those things. He did them because of who he was. That's part of, yeah. All right, what else? Healing. Where would you put those? Mm-hmm. I would put helping administrations here. 
And there are some people that I think these include a lot of things from organization to hospitality to, you know, cleaning up. There's just a lot that falls under helping administrations that a lot of people don't ever see, but the church can't function without them. They are extremely important. Um, I am blown away with one of my classes. I have three people who are trying to help me get it organized in that. And I'm so used to as a professor doing it all. And they just come in and like, I'm emailing people this week. Here's my list. And they just walk off. And I'm like, wow, look at that. But that's their gift. Like they want to do it. Like they, they can't wait to talk to these people. So yeah, it's great. All right. And that, that's a good question. Where would you put distinguishing spirits? Would you? I would probably put them under both. That would be mine. Uh-huh. <laughs> because if you're going to distinguish, what do you have to do then? Yeah, distinguishing spirits. By the way, if you have this gift, they typically are very bold. Um, they are not people who are timid. They're not going to be at the back. They're going to be charging up front when something wrong goes on. They have no problem saying, no, this isn't happening. Um, so distinguishing spirits, that's one of the things that these gifts in operation, they are not, they're shepherds also, I would say, of the flock. They're watching for that, and they're not going to let that happen. Uh, they're right in there. I would think so too. Why? Mm hmm. So can you imagine, and, and this is, you know, let's go back to the days of Pentecost and, and what was happening. So what did they say about the tongues, the people that weren't involved in the Holy Spirit falling? What did they think had happened? Okay, so let's remember that. So can you imagine walking into that? Tongues is going on. And you walk into it. What does someone who interprets tongues do? Yeah, hey, here you go. Let's lower it down. They all thought they were drunk. That's a good thing to know. Have you been in a situation where you're like, I don't know what's going on. The Holy Spirit's doing something, but I have no idea what's going on. Interpretation of tongues, that's part of it. I would say they're in both because, one, they have to interpret, but their other function that they have is very much to serve the body, which is to make sure that these things that are going on are understood. So. It's a good idea. Mm -hmm. It's to serve the body, yes. So this is where Kay gets into, and that's why she wanted you to kind of think these through. Is there a real clear line between a lot of these? It's hard to know, isn't it, where it is and what it is. So the apostles, their main specific job was to what? 
be messengers. So I would put them under speaking because that was their primary job. Okay. So that when you're looking at some of these and saying, where do they fall? That would be what I would do with those. So we have, uh, how about the gift of faith? I like it. You guys are like, put it in the middle. I love it, Martha. I hadn't even thought of that. We'll just write that one right here. And it depends. Um, I will tell you one of the people that I was totally amazed with uh, when I first met him, and that was um, Pastor, uh, I can't think of his name, (laughs) Uh, Life Austin, Randy Phillips. When I met him for the first time, and just in him and the way he deals, he has this incredible, this is his gift. There is no doubt about what he is. He's very much that guy. I have never in my life been around someone who has the capacity to believe. Just believe. Just, yeah, when his mom was diagnosed with cancer, he just stood up and said, we're believing she's going to be healed and it's going to be done. And it was like, wow. It was, anyway, it was, yeah. So, yeah. All right. Others. Mercy, where would you put that? Mm-hmm. Do you think mercy is kind of an individual thing, or do you think it's a group thing? That was one that I was trying to think through in my head. Yeah. Do you think if it's more individual one-on-one, or do you think it's more of a group thing? Or do you think it's both? How about giving? Mm-hmm. And they say contributions on this one. Um, have you ever met anybody who is really good at organizing fundraisers and getting things done? And that's what I think of when I think of this gift, the giving gift, because they have the capacity of motivating so many people to give to it's not just them giving. It's like they motivate everybody. We would call it fundraising, and that kind of has a negative connotation in our society. But they have the capacity of motivating you because they see the benefit. And all of a sudden, you see people doing incredible things because they've linked this person and this person and this person and this person and this person, and they're able to do way beyond just one person. And I think that is just an incredible thing to watch. Um, I happen to have in one of my classes a woman that, when she started doing Romans, uh, she had no idea where she wanted to go or what she wanted to do with this next phase of her life. And then she got involved in uh, Red Oaks, which is the organization in Austin that's based for women with sex trafficking issues. If you don't know a lot about this issue, one of the things that happens is when women get pulled out of this, especially younger and that sort of thing, they have a pattern of thinking, which if we release them back into society, they will fall prey to a predator again. Like that, they're just programmed that way. And so what they do is, is they sit down and they've created these communities and it's like a house mother with several different women and they try to function and the house mother's in charge and she's working on, she's been trained in psychology and therapy and all of that to help them start working through. For example, one of the ones that they were talking about is these women have to um, ask for things like for the first several weeks, they have to go to the refrigerator and every time they want to get something out, they have to ask for it. Now us, we would say, why would you do that? 
they're not used to having being asked and receiving. Now, the answer is never no, and they know that, but they have to reprogram them. So this woman that's in my class, this huge fun, like she's just over and beyond and just running, and it's going to help this organization so much and all the things she's doing. But it's fun because within the body, she saw a need, and then because her heart broke for the need, her functioning and her gift popped up, and now she's running full throttle trying to get them the resources and everything else they need to reach more women. That's the body. That's what gets you excited because you're like, yes, you got activated. Yes. Okay. All right. What else? Do we have them all up there? Uh, prophecy, I think. Have we put it prophets? We'll put prophecy up here. What is prophecy? Is it just telling the future? What is it? Speaking the oracles of God. Oracles of divine. Yeah. And by the way, this helps put this so much more in perspective when um, Isaiah says, I am a man of unclean lips. You, you totally understand why he said that because, yeah, you know, once you say, I'm going to speak for God, guess what happens? You come responsible for what you're saying about God. You weren't before, but now, now you're using that. So, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Service. What would you write under service just listed? What would you think of when things say service? Mm hmm Exactly. We love the body. We love the body. That's what we do. So now that you've done this um, activity, how many of you did it during your homework and you were like, I don't know. I, and by the way, I don't know that I have a handle on all of it. I saw Katie's notes. We kind of agreed on some of these, but then a lot of these, we were like, we could really just really shrink this to like three. Um, and you know, and so that's part of what I want you to realize is, is I think sometimes as we think about them, they get wider and, and that sort of thing. Um, but why do we put them into two lists? Why did we do that? Why do we put them in speaking and service? Who said that? Mm-hmm. Yes. And it also has to do, and I have to tell you, <clears throat> people really, in our culture, we see things that are upfront and more showy as being better. And that's what we say. That's not God's economy. That is the world's. Do not do that. Um, and we like to think of God as having a pie. And that, you know, he basically went through and sliced and gave the bigger portions out. And then this is my, don't do that. Because the appendix is a part of the body. We have no idea what it does. Everybody says you don't need it, but it's in there. So I'm going to assume that God put it there for a reason. And it's just as important as some other things. So, you know, I'm just one of those people that I don't think the way our culture thinks of this is correct. And I don't want to teach it that way. And I don't want you to walk away thinking my gift is less than. Nowhere does it say that. Nowhere. All gifts are important. All of them are for the body. For what reason? 
the building up of the body. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to go and I also, since we're here, I want to talk a little bit about this because um, Kay gets into it a little bit about um, the greater gifts. How many of you remember that? When we were talking about that, she went back to the greater gifts. Do you remember um, what page was that? I think that's 1 Corinthians. Okay. So let's talk about that real quick. What did I say last time we got together about greater gifts? What is the greatest gift? Love. So let's start there. And why did I say that, if you remember? Why would I say that love is the greater gift? So your gift flows out of where? Who puts that in you? God, Holy Spirit. It's in you, right? And it flows out of what? Love. It's what it flows out of. I want you to understand those things are very important. It's kind of like the little framework that we have. Holy Spirit, love. We are flowing out of love. So not my best thinking, love. Who's love? Okay, so I want you to understand kind of as we're putting this together, why we're talking about it, because apostles are able to go and do things because God puts something inside of them. But for the love of Christ, they are willing to go and do and put themselves in situations none of us would want to because of their love. Same thing with Paul, same thing with um, any a lot of the leadership in Scripture. I want you to understand that these all flow and a lot of the times when you see tongues and interpretations of tongues, people are like, well, how does that fit into the body? It is the edification that the Holy Spirit has fallen. It is there. That is the purpose of it. It is to edify. It is to say, these are the signs that God is present. Okay? So it's not just, we always say, look at the heart. God has given us physical signs as well to be able to say, yes, the Holy Spirit is present. Okay? So... I want people to really understand this because she said this, and this is one of those things that I'm probably to, whenever I um, God takes me home, we will have this conversation. In 31, it says, earnestly desire the higher gifts, and he also gives order. What do we know about the order of gifts? When God gives you a list of things, why why does he do that? I'm getting you warmed up. Why would he give you order of something? So apostles, there's a list. First apostles, second, why did he do that? I know, and that's why I'm bringing it back up. So I'm bringing it back up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I share the answer, and then there's always that question. And I will share the questions I've gotten over these topics, just so you know. Do these offices still exist? I get that a lot from people, okay? Second thing I get a lot of questions of, why is there order? 
And if you look at the gift of apostle, and this is my interpretation, I want you to understand that. My interpretation is the gift of apostle and being an apostle is something that you are so like Christ, you will submit your body and sacrifice it to the cause. That is, it's a dedication that goes with that gifting. There to be missionaries, there to be, you know, all these things you see in the apostles. They're firsthand accounts um, of Christ. We saw that in Paul. It's a firsthand account. That's why he says, I'm an apostle. He doesn't use any other term. It's because he's a firsthand account of seeing the risen, risen Lord. And part of why I believe the list is here and what Kay is saying is, is, and, and a lot of these, and what are the desire of the higher gifts is, she wants to interpret that and say speaking gifts are the higher gifts, but I want to give you a proper interpretation of that because I think a lot of people get this a little confused. What has to happen before you have church? Like what we have today in America, what has to happen? You have to have members, and how do you get members? Very good. So you have to have that. So you got the people going, woo, into the thing. Okay. And then what happens once you have them? <laughs> Do you start to see the members of the body now? So if a church is, is functioning properly, and, and this, Katie and I both agree with this, I would not like to use the word higher. I would like to use the word first in terms of make sure you have these gifts. Make sure you're having these gifts. You should be growing. You should be nurturing. You should be, does that make sense? Like you have to have some of these flowing um, in your community. It's not just these are the best because that's the way our mind wants to go and interpret it. That is not what that says. What that says is, is, there are gifts that function when the body is healthy and whole, and you want all of them, not just part of them. What has happened in our culture in America? What have we done? We get a hierarchy. And what we say is there's only like one person who has a speaking gift. So therefore, and we have one pastor, and it's all their job. And then the rest of us do what? <laughs> do you start? Okay. So. <laughs> and I will tell you the first thing. Everybody gets very excited. The ver when you say you're going to teach gifts, first thing you're like, I want to know what gift I have. And by the way, Katie's going to take care of that for you. You will know what gift you have. And I'm very excited about that. But what's more important than knowing what your gift is? What you're going to do. <laughs> what you're going to do. What you're going to do. Because what we do is we go, oh, and then you take your book and you go home. And you guys aren't like this. A lot of you guys do a lot of stuff, and I know that. But there are a lot of people who go to church on Sunday, and that's it. And that's not what this is saying. This says we are a body functioning. And I wanted to get that uh, through to you because Kay did pull it out this week. And last week I said with the order, I thought there was more of a dedication there in that. So our interpretations are a little different. Um, but I still think it gets the same point across. We're all needed. You have to have all of these um, in there. So 
let's go through real quick what we know about spiritual gifts, um, the truths that we've learned from the three different other passages we've studied. This would be 1 Corinthians uh, 12, Romans 12, and also 1 Peter 4. Just some truths that you took away that you didn't know about spiritual gifts. And then I'm going to jump into Ephesians, and hopefully you'll walk out of here going, because I'm really excited about this. So tell me some truths you learned about gifts. Through all four or all three passages, what are some truths? They benefit the body for, their, for the education of the body. Who gives them? Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit. Why? You already said this for the common good. Okay. When do you get them? Mm-hmm. So again, I want to point out this beautiful picture. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, what happens? You are saved, but what else happens? You see the Holy Spirit. You have a... And how many do you get? At least one. So everyone is gifted. You get one. So this happens. So the thing that you are supposed to worship and serve God with that glorifies him is whose? Isn't that beautiful? It's his. He puts something inside of you that is of his nature, of his character, that is supposed to be used by you for building of what? His church, and it's supposed to flow. Then that gets you excited. That gets me excited because what does that do for you? Immediately. And our, gives you a purpose, but what else? What are we not doing? Works, right? Because guess what those gifts are? Grace. That's what they are. Isn't it fantastic? I love that in the building of the church, we are supposed to use our grace. We are not supposed to use us. I don't know about you. I'd mess it up. But you all probably are so much better in so many things. But that's what I definitely would mess it up. I want you to get, though, and I think there's something beautiful in that so when we say there's a lesser gift or a gift that's not equal, what are we saying? And that's what I wanted to get to you today. And if you know anything about God, he does not like it when we diminish him at all. We are saying this gift is less than whatever. And that is God is God. The peace of God that you have is something that I need because I'm a member of the body. And I don't know exactly how we fit together, but I know we fit together. Who is the head of the body? Christ. And that's why you don't see him listed in the list of the the body parts until we get to Ephesians. Um, And I wanted you guys to really get that honed in. Do you have questions about any of those things in terms of spiritual gifts going forward? of all that we've covered up to this point. I'm sure you do have questions. Anything Peter said? So you have Paul, Paul, and then Peter. That's what we've done. And we're going back to Paul today in Ephesians 4. So if you want to get your observation worksheet out, we will start there. Okay. I want to put this chapter into context. And one of the things about the other chapters that we learned really quickly is where do all of these chapters fit when we talk about spiritual gifts? And all of them, what are they surrounded by? Love. (laughs) And also one of the other things, order of the church. 
Remember how some of those things were happening um, within the church and you were kind of like, people, people, people. Do you ever feel like Martha, Martha? You know, you kind of feel like, what's going on? You know, what is up with y'all? Why are you doing this? Um, and that's kind of where these all flow out of is that specific area of Paul was writing and saying, okay, there's some stuff going a little hay right here. And you all are saying this gift is better than the others, the first, uh, the Corinthians church. What he's saying, you think these gifts are better. You think everybody should prophesy. You think everybody should speak in tongues. You are calling all this attention to yourself. So I'm going to set you straight and say, don't do any of these things unless you have love. Remember, they're going gluttony at the Lord's Supper and drinking the wine and the food, and then there's nothing left for anybody else. So we have definite self seeking into and and kind of threading itself through the church. When we get to Ephesians, the church is well established. And I want you to kind of wrap your head around this. So when we're talking about speaking gifts and service gifts, do you see how in the building of the church, these things are evolving as well as the church is being built? They're starting to see things happen because the church is being built. And so we have more understanding as we go along. And then we have Paul's letter to uh, the Ephesians here when he writes more about the gifts. Now, did any of you read this one and go, this sounds really familiar in Ephesians? Yeah, Paul's pretty consistent. That's one of the beautiful things I love about him. I am looking forward one day to sitting down with him and talking. That's like my big thing. I've already told God this is what I want. I'm sure it will happen. Um, I want to have a conversation with him because today I'm going to share with you what my gift is. And my gift is, is the beauty of pattern in scripture. And I just delight so much in it. It's something until the day I die, I will probably always just go, do you see that? is amazing anyway other people are like eh, and i'm like but you don't understand this this just doesn't happen these are just letters and symbols and numbers and they flow in this thought pattern and it just overwhelms me because i am so in love and in awe with what god has done for us so if you look at ephesians i'm going to start where she didn't so um you will hopefully enjoy this today i wanted to label this come to the banquet and then the second one I wanted to label it was ca being captive. Those are the two things um, that I thought about labeling uh, what we were going to do today with this. When it's over, I think you'll understand why I wanted to do that. So let's start with Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, and start with the very first verse. What does Paul say? Therefore. Therefore. Okay. Uh-huh. And then he makes a statement. What does he call himself? He is a prisoner for who? Okay. And then what does he say? Of the which you? All right. So um, real quick, author of this is who? It was written in around 62 AD, so Paul is in prison. These are one of the prison epistles. He's in Rome. He's under house arrest um, and some other things that happened to him while he's there. So this is going on, and he is writing to the church. Um, this epistle is a little different because he's not dealing with specific program or problems within the church. 
Did you figure that out? You're like, he's not addressing anything really. No problems before or after. If you wanted um, to uh, know what the key verse is this, it's Ephesians 1.3. And if somebody has that, they can read that for me. That's good stuff. So you kind of see where his mind is at. It's not on the local church. It's up above. Um, and so he also, um, during when he's writing this, he wants people to know what is the hope of God's calling, what are the riches of God's inheritance to the saints, and what is God's great power towards those who believe. Now, if I just said those three things to you, where, where is Paul's mind? He's not with the church body. What is he on? What is he thinking about? What's to come? What we've inherited? What the bigger picture? That is what Paul is writing about right here. So um, I'm going to start with verse um, 1, and it says, Paul, a prisoner, and you guys can have some fun today. Um, I wrote all these down in my notes. You don't have to do this. The word for prisoner is captive. Okay? So a captive. What do captives do? Different than a prisoner. What does a captive do? Mm-hmm. They're restricted. Yep. In Greek, now, this is beauty of scripture. This is why I get so excited. I can hardly sit down when I find stuff for this out. There's one word in scripture that it coincides with the Greek word captive that is constantly used as their verb. And that verb is to walk. It's, and the word walk there actually means move, do something. Okay? Now, let's back up and let's go through it. I, therefore, a captive for the Lord, urge you to do something <laughs> now is that exciting for you all are you starting to see how the fluidity of scripture just um he is he very much is it is what his gift is very good um yeah so this is move it could be walk but i like the do something I have a lady in one of my other classes who told me, she said, after being a member of the body for 50 years, I decided it was time for me to figure out what I could do. Yes. <laughs> it is time. Let me help you. Yes. Now, this is the thing I get excited. You all are, and I want you to understand this. You're not normal. I totally get that. I'm not normal either. You dedicate your first day of the week to the Lord and you come here and you study and you're willing to do homework during the week. And it's really sad other people aren't that dedicated, but you aren't the norm. What is the norm? <clears throat> They're illiterate, right? All I need to know, someone else will tell me. Have you seen Twitter? Have you seen? I told Michael, my husband yesterday, we were hiking. I said, I am so sick and tired of people setting the agenda and everybody's the world going along with whatever 
discussions going on through all the news articles and everything else. And that's the flow of thought. I am so sick and tired of that. It's time for somebody to stand up and start setting a different flow of thought because I'm tired of it. I want a different flow of thought. And that's exactly where I think this is what Paul is getting at. There's a flow of thought here I want you to get. Now, this walk, now this gets me excited. So anyway, the opposite. So sometimes it's better to learn a word by learning what the antonym is, learning what it isn't. The word for this one is to recline. <laughs> Isn't that a great word? <laughs> so do not recline. Now this isn't talking about retirement in case you're like, oh, well, that's not, that's not it. But this is the word. So if you're not moving, what are you, this isn't even stopping. This is just, I've laid down. <laughs> I'm just, I'm out. I'm not doing anything. Doesn't that get you excited? Recline. So this is the opposite of this word. So that helps you understand what's going on. So the first thing Paul says to you here is, is a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk on in a matter worthy of the calling. Now, I have known so many people who don't understand calling and called. So I wanted to make sure you walked away today understanding that. What would you think this word meant? And by the way, did anybody look it up? Oh, Martha did. Mm-hmm. Very much so. 2821. Let me do that. So if you get down to it, this is the invitation to the kingdom. And more importantly, and a better way to say it, it's an invitation to a banquet. Now let's put that text in there this way. I, a captive for the Lord, urge you to move in a manner worthy of the invitation to the kingdom which you have been called. Okay? And Martha, I'm sure you looked that one up. What'd you get? Called? Did you look called up? That's okay. Did anybody look called up? Okay. It's 2564. And the word is that you've heard and accepted the invitation. So this is the sort of stuff I do when I get into Bible study that I just, I mean, I literally, my husband was like, why are you running around the house? You better tell me. I'm like, I know, it's so exciting. <laughs> and he's like, yep, that's cool. Then he goes back to changing light sockets or whatever it was he was doing. Anyway. So he says he's a captive. He says that we're to do something and that you've been invited to the kingdom. And the reason you're called is because you're the one of the ones who heard and accepted it. You've accepted it. You've said, I'm in. Now, that all being said, and you understand what you've been invited to and that you've accepted it, what does he say for us to do right after that? We've accepted it, we've heard, and how are we supposed to move or do something? With humility. And what is humility? By the way, if you've never defined it, what is it? Don't be boastful. Knowing your place. And I'm saying that not in a bad way, but understanding your significance. So this is the truth of it. 
God can rise up whoever he chooses to rise up to do anything he needs to have done. But in his wisdom and glory, he asked us to participate. And I just find that to be incredible. But that's the humility he's talking about. So, and also with gentleness. Why would we use gentleness? We had some service gifts up here. What's gentleness for? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I got so tickled. I had a woman in my class turn around and she goes, I just don't like people. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and we're going to work with the humility and we're going to see this grow. Gentleness. All right. With patience. By the way, gentleness and patience, what do you automatically see with these gifts already that we should be operating in? Very much so. Bearing each other with love. Showing tolerance. That's fine. Why does it become that way? I'm going to make you so happy that you said that. Are you ready? Like you're, you're going to be like, oh, my goodness, I'm so excited. I can hardly stand it. Are you ready? So being captive means we have freedom in Christ. It means we know where the boundaries are. It means he has given us whatever. What people call freedom, which is not freedom, is the actual word for release, which means go set that framework up yourself. Good luck. Now, does that get you excited? Because that gets me excited. I'm just like, because what does Romans 1 tell us? He gave them over to the depravity of their mind. Do you start to see the beauty here? Do you start to go, oh, 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 just me? Okay, that's fine. I'll keep it up all day. That's fine. Um, <clears throat> okay, so. What is the other thing we're supposed to do? We're supposed to have humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with love. Be diligent. And what else? We're supposed to have to preserve. Now, because people haven't done word searches on this, they interpret this to mean things that it doesn't mean in the bond of what? Okay, that word peace. Martha, did you do it? It's actually G1515. Mm -hmm. Wholeness. It also means lack of confusion. So let's read through this one more time just so you have it. I, a captive for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, I have the ESV version, to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with another in love, eager to maintain the unity of spirit in the bond of, we have no confusion. And why don't we have confusion? That is why you don't have confusion. Now, isn't it great 
Anybody ever been in a situation at church? Because this is usually where it happens, where you get people who think the same thing should be done, hospitality, it doesn't matter where you go, teachers, anywhere you go, and you're standing there, and you're like, too many cooks in the kitchen? Anybody ever be there? So what's happening there? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to be a little kinder. <laughs> Maybe they're not operating in humility. Or this is the way we've always done it. Or however it is. I just find it interesting, though, because where do most of our like hardest th- lessons come from? Within the body. Yeah, and part of it is because is we're learning to do all this stuff. Okay, does that get you excited? Okay, so there is how many bodies? Okay, this is kind of fun. So this is why I wanted to do that this way. So let's talk, let's put the one up here today and tell me all the things that are one. One Lord, one spirit, one faith. One baptism. <laughs> I might write that up. Is that it? Okay, so let's go back to this confusion thing. Just so right above that, what does he say? There shouldn't be any confusion. In the body, we should have these things. We should be operating in the spirit because why? Well, there's multiple ways to God. I think he spells it out pretty clear. There's one Lord, there's one spirit. So the spirit in me is saying, have you ever heard people say that? That's one of my favorites. I'm like, I'm sure it is. (laughs) Good for you. Keep it over there. All right. One faith, one baptism, one body. I'm going to share this uh, quick story with you so, so you kind of get this. I am just impressed with God. And, and as I've worked in the global church, I've, I've just, I sit there sometimes totally amazed. There's a pastor right now in Lebanon who works with Syrian refugees. She herself is a refugee. Her husband and her have been asked many times to go to a different country, you know, to leave, to raise their family. And they said, no, we are here to raise up refugees to know God in the Muslim culture. This is where we're called. Her and her husband were both hunted by ISIS. They went into hiding and their family. And this is what's the hard part for us to understand. Their families are the ones that pursued them to kill them, to leave their faith. Okay. So I want you to understand these are not like, itty bitty people in the church these are like the he people and i'm standing there with her and she asked me more than anything one of the trips i went over to help she said will you stand with me and pray and i said absolutely so it's a church that looks like the best way i can say it is like in a small town kansas you remember the wood pews the wood paneling the wood the small thing that's what the church looks like i was right at home i'm like hey it's like where i grew up this is awesome anyway so in lebanon i'm standing there a woman comes forward completely wrapped up all you see are really her eyes and she starts speaking in arabic and this woman's name is hamsa the pastor and um she's beautiful she's just got this lovely spirit and um she says um to me she would like you to pray for healing Okay. So I start praying. I speak in English. She tries to interpret and she leaves. And then somebody else comes. 
and because they don't have medicine and because they don't have finances and because they don't and the 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 line goes out the door and around the block and as we were praying and god was moving and answering their prayers um the lines kept getting longer and and you're sitting there now what's great for me is i have no idea what they're asking for and i really have no idea what i'm praying for because i was trying very hard to listen to god and whatever he was putting on me to ask for that's what i was doing but he was moving and there was this beautiful thing happening after we had prayed like an hour and a half and things had calmed down, I turned to this woman and I said, how do you stand here day after day with all this need? And she said, I can't carry it. It's not my job. And I walked away from that with one of the biggest lessons. Her ability to stand there and help the church in Lebanon, she has the capacity to say it has to be God. She said, I cannot help them. I have no funds. I have no ability. The only one that can is. I walked out of there because in our culture, what happens? Somebody has a need. What do we do? I can help that. I can do that. I can do that. Which, by the way, I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying sometimes that's what we need. But I'm saying sometimes we get so far removed that we forget this is what's happening. And the beauty of what she said that day as I walked away, she said, I am unable to help them. Only God can. And again, some of these people did not know what I was praying, and she didn't translate. One of the ladies, I felt very called to pray over her that she hadn't heard from her son in two years. And I said, Lord, I pray that in your time he'll show up. And when he shows up, there's a party because as a testament of her faith, may he arrive and her know that you have answered her prayer so that she will know that you are the Lord that she has been seeking. That's what I said. Done. I was looking at this woman going, I don't know if that's for you or not, but okay, we're going to go with that because that's what came out. And then, you know, and next person. I didn't know this. WhatsApp's real big over there. Anyway, um, her son showed up two hours later. She hadn't seen him in two years. They had a huge block party. And all those people came the next night to church. And I didn't know any of them. Just so you know, that's the beauty of the spirit. I don't have a clue. And I don't know these people. And I didn't know anything about them. But the pastors did. And that edified their faith. And that's the beauty of it is, is they needed to be encouraged and exhorted and and, you know, and I prayed that's what I was supposed to do. But God showed up in such a big way. And you saw this one Lord, one spirit, one faith, one baptism, one father, one body all move. And it was just, you know, when they were telling me, they're like, here, listen to this. And he put it, the pastor put the WhatsApp thing on. And, of course, it's all in Arabic. And he goes, oh, yeah, you don't speak Arabic. I said, not yet. Still praying for that. Um, but anyway, you know, it's just really funny because it's like they just share around with each other because a lot of them don't read, write, and that. And WhatsApp helps them do that. It's just fascinating to me um, how the body works. So are you starting to see the framework on which he's getting ready to talk about some of these things as we've gone through these? He said, you've been called to an invitation. You've accepted the invitation. God put the invitation out. You've heard and you've accepted. And then he says that there is one. We forgot one up here. Um, does yours say hope? One hope, right. And if you look that up, that word actually means the source, the author, and the finisher. Just as where you were called to the one that belongs to, and the next word is your call, just as you were called to the kingdom by the one who issued the invitation. 
you were called. Now, there are a couple places in Scripture where uh, these sort of banquets and stuff pop up. Name a few. And the banquets show up in Scripture quite a bit. Name a few banquets you know about. The wedding. Yep. Old Testament. There's a few. Pa- yep, Passover. There's Daniel. The writing on the wall. There's a banquet. Esther. There's a banquet. By the way, not godly. Just there was an invitation. And the people came. Okay. So this is what gets me super excited. Does Jesus ever talk about banquets? What does he say? Now this is Paul. You've been invited to the kingdom, to the banquet. You are the ones who've heard and accepted it. Now I'm going to tell you how to act properly. This is what we need to do. Not to say it's not important, it's not. This is what he's called us to do. All right, so there's a line in here that's very common. A lot of people quote it constantly. Verse 6, what is that line? Mm -hmm. God the Father who is over all, through all. So if you do a word study on this, and I'm going to do these quickly, it actually translates this way. God of all who is resting and who continues to unite us in oneness of mind in Christ. Does that get you excited? Mm -hmm. Sure. It means, so the actual word um, overall or above all uh, actually is um, 1909, the Greek word. It means he rests in, God the Father rests in or on. So God the Father who is on or in and through all and in all, those are continual verbs. It means he continues to produce oneness of heart mind and purpose in Christians in unity with Christ. Does that get you excited? That gets me excited. Woo-hoo. Because what does this say right here? Is our God muted? Do you remember that? In the first couple, he says, you're serving muted gods. And what does Paul say right here? He's moving continually, ongoing. It's happening. This is what God does. That gets me excited. All right, so you were supposed to do the word study for Christ's gift. What is that verb? Or what is that? G1431? What is that? Mm Mm-hmm, a sacrifice. Gratuitous, I like that word. Anybody dig a little deeper and see what that meant? Mm-hmm. So I like that. So it is the nature of the character of the giver. Am I right? This is what's stressed. 
<clears throat> when we get into relationship with God, why is that? Why is it that we come into relationship with him? Is it because of our wanting to? Or why is it? His free gift. Right. There's a word we like to throw around in Bible study. It's also its own Bible study. If you haven't done it, I recommend it. What's the word that we are with him? We are in covenant with him. And did the covenant have anything to do with us? Who did it have to do with? God. So this right here, the nature of God or the giver, and this is the word I would put next to us, in his loving kindness, he got on that cross. And that loving kindness is the same word for covenant. Are you guys getting excited? Just me? Still me? Awesome. <laughs> All right, so verse 7, um, we have a but there. Could anybody tell me why there's a but in the beginning of verse 7? Mm-hmm. That is the contrast. It's the contrast from the body of believers to individual. And that is why the but is there. Now, when we try to explain Christianity to people, what do we often say? It's an individual relationship, but there's a group of us. Right? So there is this notion of, and we have to know when Paul is talking to one and when he's talking to the other. So this grace was given to each of us. So it wasn't just poured out on the body. Who was it really poured out on? Each of us individually, which also coincides with what's supposed to happen at the moment of salvation. It gets poured out on us. Um, we get the gift as a measure of Christ's gift. All right. So anybody who wants to, I'm going to let you try to describe what happens in 8, 9, and 10. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, so most of you have done some Bible study, so let's let's just pick it apart real quick. It'll be super simple. So what what is this saying basically? So after the cross, he goes, okay, and what does he do down there? Okay, so where is he, by the way? Right, and how do we know that? There's a study we just did. It's the name of your new grandson. <laughs> so Luke, anybody remember the chapter? It's 16, yeah. Luke 16 talks about this. There's a chasm, okay? So this whole place has one name. There's paradise, and then there's what? Katie lovingly refers to as a holding tank <laughs> down here, okay? And when Christ died, he came down, and what did he do? He took who? Who's the captives? The people who were in 
Very good. So let's let's make sure we get that. So it wasn't the other people, so as you understand, but what were they? And you said the word. Cat. Uh-oh. What did Paul say at the beginning? Oh. Uh-oh. Are we seeing some flow? This is when I know it's the Holy Spirit because no human being could do this with this well. Anyway, so he takes the captives and where do they go? To be with him. And on his way, just because he's God, what else does he do? He gives gifts to who? Men on earth. Isn't it great? So I want you to understand, though, because this gets me so excited. You always wondered what he did. And in Ephesians, what does it say he did? He came down and got the captives. He took them, and we can get into all the theological implications of that, but he took them. But not only that, as he was traveling by the wayside, he gave gifts to men in his good wisdom, in who he is, and because of the giving nature. Not only did he just die for us, he just poured out all of this upon us. Does that get you excited? Gets me excited. Anyway, yeah, I know. I get so, it's really sad. Anyway, um, I want you also to kind of wrap your head around how these things are going on and why Paul is telling them this. He's telling them this because the church, if you remember in Corinthians, also in Romans, they have gotten away from the simplicity of the gospel. They have started entwining self into what Jesus had done and what he has repetitively done with this particular set of scripture and throughout Ephesians is he picks it apart and says, get back to what you know is holy and divine. Get back to what I'm going to show you. And that is what he's saying right here. This, it kind of seems in 8, 9, 10, and 11, he kind of says, therefore, and he wants you to understand why, why are we even talking about this? We're talking about this because this is what Christ has done for us. This is where we start. And after he says all of that, then he goes to verse 11. So let's talk about verse 11. That's where we get into some interesting discussions. So let's go there. We added to the list already. He gave the what? Mm-hmm. 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 Okay, so he gave, and I would say you could see this right here, kind of what you were saying, Kristen. There's kind of an office thing there, a little bit going on with this. I would say, yeah, you could start to see some of this. Some of these uh, gifts start to, to work. And why did he do that? Yep, so we are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And why else? Yep, for the building of the body. 
And that's really your litmus test. It's where we put our plumb line and we say, what are these gifts and how do they operate? This is the exact thing that you need to be focused on right here. Because if it does not equip the saints for the work of ministry, if it doesn't build up the body, then you know this gift may be or may not be the one that you want to be around or operating in. Be very careful because what did I tell you last time we were together about gifts and that sort of thing? What do we know about Satan? He deceive us. Is he a creator? He's counterfeiter. So what do you already know about the gifts? He'll counterfeit them. I want you to get that in your head because that is the sign of end times that is coming. It is not anything unique. God gave this when he rose from the dead. It is amazing to me. He said, I'm pouring out all of this on you out of my grace and my goodness. And along comes Satan and says, at end times, I'm going to have two people rise up and they're going to do all this stuff and people are going to follow him. That's what's going to happen. And it's not because um, of the nature that Satan is so creative. It's just he looked at the beauty of what God had done and said, I'll take this piece. But it is not the fluidity of what Christ had from the beginning. <clears throat> All right, so we're going to keep moving on. So we've gotten this, we're getting the equipping of the saints, and now I want to step into verse uh, 13. So let's do this. So in 13 it says, Uh-huh. We want to do this. So mature, what do you guys have? To maturity? To mature? Mine says manhood, but I didn't know if yours would be a little more inclusive. What am I doing, by the way, any of you who've done this? Mm -hmm. We're doing structuring. Sometimes it helps you with understanding the flow of thought. Katie often does this. So how long will we be in our gifts? Until when? Until we all have unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God. All right. Anybody do any word studies on this? Okay. And what did you find with stature? Okay. The fullness of Christ. Yeah. All right. So unity of faith, this word is actually G1775. It means bond of faith. Who wears bonds? What? Prisoners, captives. Hmm, what Paul say was? Who did Jesus take out of uh, paradise? Uh-oh, do you see a flow of thought? So... 
how long will we do this? Until there is a bond of faith among us. There is a bond of faith. And of the, anybody do knowledge? It's one of it. It's actually deeper than that. Yeah, it actually is. It is knowledge of and a relationship of participation. So it's not just head knowledge, as we would say. It's also experience. This is that interactive knowledge. It's not just one-sided. It's you know that you know that you know that you know because your knowledge has borne it out. Your experience has borne it out. You just know. So let's read this again real quick. Until we all attain the bond of faith as captives and of the relationship with the Son of God till what? To mature manhood and to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. So for those of us who are walking on, how long are we walking? We're moving on. Uh, Not forever. So here's a good question. When Christ is among us, will we need these gifts? What are the gifts for? The building of the church, correct? And where's the church going to be? With the head. So start to, so we're with the head. We are a functioning body, not among ourselves operating in love. We have our stature back. We have our functioning back. We know whose we are. We're there. He's with us. Now, that doesn't mean we won't have work to do in heaven. Don't don't think about that. That's not what this says. What this says is these gifts that were given for the building of the body, when Christ comes back, where is the body? All together. And we are with who? Because we have done what? Have we accepted the invitation? We have come, and he's at the head of the table, and we are there to eat mashed potatoes and gravy and corn on the cob and my mother's pork chops because they were really good and some other stuff going on. No. Well, I am headed to the banquet. I am going. Um, part of what we do, and one of the things we're very good at in our culture, which I want you to recognize is just kind of something that um, we do v- I'm going to say not so well, and this is we have a way of when people come into faith of telling them that they have to wait or not using them right away. or And there's some wisdom in that, but there's also this thing that happens that people kind of have this idea, and we've done it to the church itself. We've said, you're gifting, you're whatever, it's not needed. But what does this say? We're all needed. We're all needed. My job is to help raise up other teachers when I see that gift because it's the gift that I'm the most familiar with. That is my job. It's not just to teach. It's to raise up. That is my job. That's what Katie's doing. That's what she's taught me to do. When I, I love this about Katie, and you don't know this. Katie has taught for so long, I don't know how many other teachers she's launched. Lois, do you have any idea? I would say it's probably, probably at least 50 that I can think of. She has raised up that many people to go off and teach. Do you understand when, you know, the body is so much more functioning because she exists and she is faithful. 
that's what gets me excited is I see this and I say, where you are, the gifts that you have, planted, growing, equipping the body, that is our job. Not just to have the gift, it is to equip. And so when we get around people, um, we should be excited. Now, I will tell you this, um, and it happens a lot. In our culture, what happens when somebody like us rises up? What do we think automatically? (sighs) You're not getting it. Not mine. Yeah. I've shared this before. My mother raised my sister and I in competition, which was really difficult when my mother died because when you've looked at your enemy your whole life and now your mom is gone and you're like, you're it. That's it. That's all I get. Awesome. And we have really had to work on this relationship. And she said something yesterday, which just, I just have to share this with you because it was just so beautiful. She said, here I am with two children in my late 30s and I finally know how to love my sibling. And I got so excited over that. My mom's been gone five years because we have really worked at that. And she said, that's what I can give to my children is how to love their sibling. She said, I learned it late, but I'm here and that's what I can do. But what is she doing? She's equipping her family. That's what she needs. I get so excited about that because I'm like, that's exactly what I'm doing. This is so great. And that sort of thing. Lord, The Lord allowed my sister to go through a very difficult time, really, really hard um, with one of her jobs. And she lost income and all sorts of things happened. Not her fault. It just the company shifted all of its employees to Brazil. And she was devastated. And she's sole income earner of her family. And anyway, and God allowed me to step up beside her. And the gifts of service, which one do you think I was able to operate in? My mom had the gift. Generosity. That's all I kept doing, was just being generous and kind, just being generous and kind, just being generous and kind. And in the last three or four weeks, she has called to tell me, I know I'm still married because of what you and Michael did for us. I know I'm able where I am because of what you. And it's not, I'm not saying look at me. I'm saying when you operate to help the body, you get to see them go further than you ever thought you anybody would, and you get excited. I get to I get excited when somebody teaches way better than I do because I get to participate. I got to see this person develop. That's what Katie told me. She said it's exciting for me to see you teach because I'm the one that put up with you sitting at the back like this for like weeks. Now I get to see the other side, and I'm like, that's the joy we get. We get the joy of raising up, but in our culture, we say there can only be one. And does God say that in terms of the body? No, that's not what he says. He doesn't say you have one gift for the body. He says we have gifts in the body. Okay. All right. So the next thing I really uh, want to get into, which I think will help you, because I think that um, this is one of those things I think gets us deeper. So we know we're supposed to be mature and measure the stature of the fullness of Christ. What is maturity? What does that look like? in the body. He goes on to describe it a little bit. What is it not? Stop reclining. It's like, have you ever been in the new theaters? That is not what we want in the body of Christ. Stop it. (laughs) We want you upright and we want you moving forward. Okay? And when one of us gets taken out, like Katie got her legs swiped and she stumbled, it is our job to come along beside her and keep her upright. And that's what we're going to do because that's what the body does to be healthy. 
And, you know, it's a lot of people don't really understand exactly what it is we're to do in the body, but that is what we're supposed to do. We're stronger together. So again, in scripture, it's not always what it says, but what it doesn't say. But specifically, he does the opposite here. So he wants you to be mature. So what is the opposite of mature? Childish. All right, so let's let's just poke these out because these are fun. So if you're children, if you are immature, I'm going to write, in the faith, what happens to you? Yes, you want to look important? Oh, yes, from verse 14, yeah. I was going to say, yes, you're right. You do want to look important. Okay, 14. You're tossed to and throw. Okay. Mm-hmm. By what? Every. Isn't that great? A blustery wind. Every wind of doctrine. Uh huh. So, and who is does this? So we're carried about every wind of doctrine by, you could say, human cunning. Specifically, and why else? All right. Crafty is used one other time in scripture. Anybody know who? The serpent. That is how he's described. <clears throat> Just so you're aware. So, <clears throat> this is a reference back to Genesis 3. Now, this gets me so excited. Carried about by every wind of doctrine. Have you ever seen a little child throwing a foot and the parents pick him up and try to carry him? That's what this reminded me of. <laughs> That's exactly what's going on. So what we have with immature people, they're, well, that does not look good. Um, they are tossed to and fro. And why is it that they're tossed? That's right. They have no roots. They have no roots. People who, and I don't mean sometimes you don't change churches, but people who church jump, this is a problem. You're not rooted. You're not grounded. Now, that's not saying sometimes we don't get moved where God wants us to be. I'm just saying you want to be rooted. That's what this is saying. You have no roots. You have no roots. And then whoever wants to take you somewhere, you willingly go. All right. Carry me. Where are we going today? Who wants to do this? On every wind of doctrine. And who, by whose devices do we often get taken into um, immaturity? Whose devices? Satan and by humanity. Yeah. Right now, there is a thread going through our culture that says no boundaries. I read an article, and I think I shared this with you last time. It said, isn't it fabulous as human beings, we're becoming ambiguous. That's not a positive. And as a human being who studies language in that, and you think that that's appropriate, scares me. Because you've been carried about every wind of doctrine, and this is human cunning. But don't be deceived. It is definitely crafty. There is a work here because if we think that everything we think is most important and what we're doing is the best thing, who are we not focused on? And we have this, in our culture specifically, this element of self that is like neon and screaming at us, and it is not godly. 
Okay. And so this is what I think is so great about him because what he has said is, is the union of faith has the bond of faith. You are captive. You are in a body and we're all strung together. We are captive. We have chosen it. Paul pierced his ear. We have chosen this. This is where we want to be. Knowledge of the Son of God. We have relationship with him. We are actively participating in it. We are not leaning back in our recliners going, where are we going today, people? We're not doing that. We're moving forward. And then if you look at the whole of number 14, these are people who are not captive. These are the people that Romans 1 talks about. They refuse to bend their knee to say, I'll serve you, Lord. You are the only one. There is nothing less. These are the uncaptive. They are tossed around, carried away by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. They are tossed to and fro. Does that sound anything like our culture today? Do you understand why we're not going to fit into anyone anymore? Do you see the design of God? Do you understand how odd we're going to stick out for everyone because we have structure? We know whose we are. We know where we're going. I'm actively captive. I'm after this. I'm pursuing the body. I'm encouraging. I'm exhorting. I am doing what needs to happen. I am planted, and I will see the maturity of my faith, and I will see God the Father and the Son one day. Thank you very much. This will happen in my lifetime. That's a little different than, well, today I was thinking, and I feel like God could be big. And, you know, I, you know, and I was talking to this person at Starbucks who told me they were a spiritual guide. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. And they really helped me. So we're going to meet next week at Starbucks. Really? You want some spiritual guidance as the person's cutting my hair? I'll give you spiritual guidance right now. <laughs> but this is the sort of stuff that people are looking. And this is the thing people don't understand. We think as Christians that they're not looking for it. Every human being is looking for this. Because if they're not captive, they are not captive. They have to be one or the other. It doesn't get any more simpler than that. All right. So on 15, what are we supposed to do? Not only are we supposed to be mature and man, uh, to mature in the measure of our statue, how else are we supposed to go? We're supposed to speak. We're supposed to speak. Uh-oh. Truth and love. Whose truth? Yeah. I have this personal truth I'd like to share with you. Yeah. I have to tell you, this is an honest-to-goodness truth. This is why I knew today was really good. I just want you, so my husband and I moved, and there are certain things in life I just don't think about. For example, when there are closets on the wall that you should check to see if they're attached. That would have probably been a good idea. So yesterday, I loaded, well, last weekend, I loaded all the things in the garage into California closets, which are supposed to be pretty reliable, put the things in there. We went to church came home and my husband hadn't put in, put up some, um, I had my grandmother's nativity set and it didn't get put up there. And I was telling him, you were, now remember, this is God making, this is fun. I get out of the car and it's sitting in the middle of the floor and I'm like, you didn't put that up there. I wanted, and I turned around and all the cabinets have fallen to the ground. <laughs> and my husband goes, didn't put up the one thing you care about, did I? I'm like, nope, and it's right there in the middle of the floor. <laughs> And I looked at my husband and I went, 
I'm going to shut up now. I'm really sorry. I should just thank goodness our cars were in here. Thank goodness nothing held. Thank goodness, you know, I said, thank you, God. Yeah, nothing. Well, yeah, other stuff broke, but that didn't. And it's the only thing I really care about. Anyway, but it was just really funny because Mike, we just looked at the garage and he goes, we didn't check those, did we? <laughs> Never done on either of us. But here's the beauty of it. I told my sister that story. I said, the cabinets all fell off the wall. By the way, not the first time in a marriage that has happened. Anyway, um, so the cabinets all fell off the wall. All the stuff in the garage is on the ground. I'm going to have to deal with that at some point. Awesome. And I told my sister this, and she goes, so did you tell him his laziness actually was a gift to you? I'm like, ow! And then I started laughing. I said, Faye, I think you and I may have the same gifts. <laughs> I said, we're going to use a little more humility. Um, anyway, but that's what she just said. She goes, I've been told that I need to calm it down. I'm like, yeah, that, that might be true. Um, anyway, okay. Speaking the truth in love, what are we supposed to do? <clears throat> So, and by the way, we're growing up in captivity. I want you to understand that. We're growing in captivity. We've chosen it. We're here. We're growing. And all the people around you are actively captive too. We wanted to be here. So I love looking at people who don't look like they want to be in church. You know, you actively chose this. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, you grow up in every way. Uh, into him who is the, unto Christ, right. And why are we in this body? Exactly. In Christ, what is the point? The whole body is joined together, held together. We are equipped when each part is working properly. And it makes the body grow so that it builds itself in love. It's supposed to grow. It's supposed to grow. That is the point. What is happening in our culture in America? Are our church grow is growing? Do you know? They are not. We are in decline in a rapid way. About four or five years ago, we became a secular nation. We had more people who didn't know God than did know God. I want you to realize what's happening. We've switched over. We've become reclining people, and that is exactly what Paul has said. Stop doing this. You have a job to do. All of you have a job. We are to grow. We are to work. We are to go forward. We are to be active captives. That is what we're supposed to be. But how many people, they use being a Christian as kind of a crutch, and it fills in all the gaps but yet you never see anything produced in their life. You never see them grow. You never see anything change. This is what he's calling these people to. So now that we've done all of these scriptures, tell me what is it is your takeaway? I love to do this because I love to hear what has happened for you. What's your takeaway? Get out of the recliner. I should have labeled it that. Isn't that wonderful? It's the only word used with, with uh, uh, captives is to move. I love that. I don't know why. I'll have to research that. I didn't get enough time to do that, but i got to figure out why that Greek word only uses that word. i got to figure that out. Okay, so get out of the recliner. Do something. What else? 
Learn what your gift is, absolutely. So you can use it. By the way, what's the best way to figure out what your gift is? Know what your gift isn't. How do you figure out what your gift isn't? You try it. I have told you repetitively, crafts and I are not friends. Little children terrify me. But I do it anyway because, A, they need help, and I love the body, but I do it also because I know that's not my gift. Like, it makes me very uncomfortable. But until there's enough people to fill that, I will step in and help. I will do that because I'm part of the body. But learn what your gift is. But I know exactly what it is and what it isn't. And I'm always like, ooh, that's scary. So, yeah. Yeah. So if you ask me to put on some sort of dinner for y'all, I will cater it. <laughs> Because it freaks me out, as I said before, to bring peanuts or whatever. And it is your gift, and I know that, and it's fabulous. But understand, it's not everybody's gift. So, what else? You are there. I'll see you in heaven. We will do this. I'm there. I'm in. Yep. I can't even begin to tell you when I would walk around my house and say those words, I'm in. I'm this. There is no other life. There is nothing for me. My husband asked me yesterday, he said, why is it you're able to go and teach anywhere? Because, you know, sometimes I go overseas and stuff. And he said, you're not afraid. I said, because I've seen death. And I saw my mom walk through death. And I said, that doesn't scare me. Not anymore. And I think there's something beautiful when you understand where you're going, whose you are, that you're captive. And by the way, when Jesus went down and took those captives that he did, were included in that bunch, he overcame the grave. We are secure. So nothing that happens to you on this earth jeopardizes that. It's secure. It's in a vault. It's put away. However you want to think about security, that is your hope. It is never going away, ever no matter what happens. He is always going to be there. Always. Okay, what else? Music? Oh, use the gift. I thought you said music. I'm like, where'd you get music? I want to know. All right, use it. <laughs> nope. Nope. My husband has a beautiful gift of humor sometimes. He's got British humor. And, you know, it's that low, subtle, and when he breaks it out, oh, man, he doesn't do it very often, but when he does, he can get people rolling. I love it. Okay, use your gift, whatever it is. <clears throat> so, tell you a quick story, not about spiritual gifts, but it's, it's an important illustration. When I was in grad school, I lived in, uh, uh, on 10 acres in an old rundown house, in Kansas City, Missouri, outside Kansas City. I remember I come from the Mormon faith. I actually rented one of the Smith family properties. So keep that for whatever thing you do. It was really run down, and part of my job was not only to go to school, but I, my husband and I helped renovate some of it. So that's what we were doing. I had a friend in grad school who was Japanese. <clears throat> now, she came to the house one day. And remind you, I've got big holes in my walls that snakes go through because it's Missouri. And... Kansas. So it's not a lovely place to live at all. It's what we could afford. 
Okay, so big holes in that. She walks in and all she says is 10 acres and she's Japanese. What do you think she thought? <laughs> she's like, you are rich. And she was so excited and she told me that. She said, I'm just so excited. You are so rich. Well, here's the thing. We got to be friends over time. And when she went back to Japan, I made her family chocolate chip cookies. And she taught me how to make um, California rolls and do some sushi. And I sent her whole family, because that's what we do in the Midwest. We're friendly people. I sent her cookies, okay? Her family sent me this very elaborate tea set back. I was like, I told her, I said, you do know the value of the cookies, right? I'm just like three bucks. You do get that. She goes, no, no. She said, this is tradition. This is what we do. But this is what she said to me. She said, if it fails in America and you can't make it, you can always go to Japan and make cookies. It's always been my backup plan. So use the gift that you have. If that's what you do well, if that's what introduces you. I was driving down the street this today, and I heard someone say that they got a picnic table, painted it, put it in their front yard so when their neighbors came by, they could stop and talk and have coffee there. And that was on some radio station today. And they call it the Blue Picnic Table Project or something. I love that idea because it's using something, using what you have. And I think a lot of the times we think that using a gift, it has to be polished, perfect, and whatever. And sometimes we're where we're at and we're going to go forward. We're going, as we use the gift, we will have a natural ability to help it. And that is something I want you to understand. So does God equip you with everything that you need? Yes. It is always good if you're going to teach the word of God to know the word of God. That is always like a positive um, to use those things. So do you think with some of your gifts that you might need to add some some knowledge with them sometimes. Sometimes you probably do. That being said, can they operate without any of our input at all? Absolutely, because why? They are gods, yeah. So these people, this is why it's really important you have it in your head and we've said it over and over and over again. These are supernatural abilities that you are gifted with. They are not ones that from a young age you knew you were whatever. These are things that when you were saved, God put this in you for one reason and one reason only, to edify him in the body. That was the purpose. Okay. Any questions? Are you going to be captive? Are you going to move on? That's the whole point. That was the whole point of today. No reclining. It's a good one, isn't it? <laughs> All right. All right.